welcome to Deeper, a podcast by Wollongong Baptist Church. Join us as we take the plunge and dive deeper into God's Word, the Bible. Here, we'll unpack and examine further the Bible talks presented on Sundays across our three English-speaking services. Today, we'll be thinking through more from our latest instalment in our series, Exalt, as we consider what it looks like to live a life of worship. So, let's get right into it and dive deeper. Welcome back to another episode of Deeper. My name is Grace Jones. Joining me this morning is Pastor Rod Bailey, who spoke on Sunday about Bible reading. Um, As you should be aware by now, we are working our way through a series titled Exalt, Living a Life of Worship. Uh, And the first two weeks were spent kind of laying the foundations of what is worship and how and through whom do we worship and who do we worship. Um, And we've now kind of changed gears a little bit and we're looking at some Um, I guess strategies is probably not the right word, but ways that we can go about worshipping God. Um, And so the first one today, um, or Sunday I should say, was Bible reading. Um, So thanks so much for joining me again this morning, Rod. Great to have you. And thanks for your sermon. Um, Can you, I'm sure you'll be able to say something a lot more elegant than me, but talk us through what was actually your talk about on Sunday? Yeah, so as we go into these different habits of grace or spiritual disciplines, we're um, keeping under this framework of worship and we're saying, well, how is it that I worship God through this habit or this spiritual discipline? So how do I worship God through reading the Bible? Um, If worship is uh, deliberate submission of my whole life to God, Mm. um, by which I exalt him in my um, heart and in my actions, then how does reading the Bible help me do that? So how does reading the Bible help me worship God mm-hmm. um, and so my answer to that was twofold one um, the heart side of things there's the issue of uh, delighting in God's word and longing to adore him um, as we read his word and understand his character and his promises to yes. us yeah and our danger uh, on that side of things is that we will just read the Bible as an obligation or a duty mm-hmm. and so there's no delight in God's word I'm just ticking a box um, and so my first point was, well, we worship God through reading the Bible by reading it in a way that we delight in God's mm-hmm. word, not do it as a duty. Mm-hmm. But then there's the second part of it, which is our action. So it's great to um, you know, be thankful and adore God, worship him because of who he is and what he's done. But then he's also calling me to live a new life. Mm-hmm. And so there are actions for me to do as a Christian. Um, and so then the problem can be, that I read God's word and I hear all these things that he wants me to now live and do, um, but I fail to do them. I, mm-hmm. I, I get all this knowledge, I read about it, think, yeah, this is good, but I'm not mm-hmm. living it out. Yeah. Um, so our second danger is, yeah, that our actions, you know, don't match um, what we've learned. Mm-hmm. So, our, And in that sense, I guess, that worship is kind of incomplete to simply delight in God's word and then to go, mm, I'm not going to do anything with that. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. It's it's half-baked worship yeah. and, and that's not going to honor God because, yeah, he's might be excited that we're reading his word, um, <laughs> but then if we're not living it out, then we're, we're hypocrites. As James mm-hmm. 1 put, points out, you mm-hmm. know, we're hearers but not doers and yeah. that won't just work. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. Um, I guess the talk um, brought up a number of different questions. Firstly, on 
I guess, the nature of the Bible itself. And then secondly, on our application of what you were talking about. So I guess the first half of this podcast, we'll focus a little bit more on some of those things, some of those kind of intellectual barriers maybe for us. And then um, I promise that we will get to some more heart kind of application of these things as well as we progress. Um, But I mean, I guess a good place for us to start is to really think about the Bible itself and its, its claims of, of authority, its claims of being the word of God, mm-hmm. the only word of God. Um, how can we be certain of its accurate recording throughout history of, um, yeah, I guess if we're just, if we're placing such a huge emphasis on the Bible as mm-hmm. um, the, the authority, um, how can we be sure of its reliability, of its um, infallible nature? Yeah, these are important, big foundational questions about God's Word. And yeah, some of the answers come from what the Bible says about itself, uh, which people might think is a circular argument. So the Bible <laughs> yeah. is saying this about itself. Uh-huh. Um, some of it comes from history and how we've seen it used in the development of the church and Christians' response to the Bible. We can learn from that. Um, but some of that then comes down to our own experience, actually. And as we read it and meet God in the pages of Scripture as... He convicts us and we hear and respond. Um, Some of these proofs ultimately, I guess, have to be tested as believers. Mm -hmm. But I guess as a starting point in terms of what the Bible teaches about um, what it is, um, you know, this is where we get the doctrine of Scripture in theology textbooks. And so we talk about things like inspiration. So how do we know that this is actually God's word? Um, As in inspired by God. Inspired by God. So 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is Mm -hmm. God-breathed. This is the word for which we build um, this idea of inspiration, that it's really um, breathed out, inspired by God. And so everything we read is his word ultimately. Um, We then usually have the question, well, what about human authors? Like, So there's about 40 different authors across Mm -hmm. the Bible. Where do they fit in? Surely it's just a man-made word in the end Mm because... people like you and I have written it down. Um, Well, the Bible addresses that too. So 2 Peter 1 verses 20 and 21 is all about how um, no prophet or writer ever just wrote out of their own mind. It just, you know, as I didn't get up one morning and say, I feel like writing some prophecy today. (laughs) I'm just going (laughs) to knock something out. Um, But rather they are born along by the Holy Spirit, we're told, that it's God who's really superintending this process. So the human writer is just an instrument mm-hmm. and it's ultimately God's word that we have yeah. uh, that he sees to it um, that we have something which is true and right mm-hmm. so there are those aspects of inspiration there's the question of transmission which um, you raised briefly too in that question you know how do we know it's been handed down correctly mm-hmm. um, and that is more a historical argument um, but we can prove it um, most brilliantly, I guess, through the Dead Sea Scrolls, that we were able to make this discovery just after World War II, um, and that we had, um, you know, scrolls, the whole scroll of Isaiah and things like this, many other parts of the Old Testament that went back a thousand years that were written, uh, you know, either in first century AD, sometimes second century AD. And here we were, um, you know, looking at things um, in the 1940s suddenly, and we could compare it with our earliest uh, known copies of the Bible, which at that point in the 1940s, we only, our earliest copies were like um, 1000 AD or 1100 AD. So Mm -hmm. we had sort of a thousand years back we could go. This was taking us back another thousand years altogether. And we could compare and see absolute accuracy between it, which was amazing so Um, the significance of that is that we now have historical proof that 
there hasn't been a 2000 year game of Chinese whispers. Exactly. Right. Yes. And so we've got this accurate copying down through the centuries. And then you've got the claims, obviously, of the Bible that it's perfect and true. We considered that briefly, even in Psalm 19 on Sunday, that mm-hmm. God's word is perfect. Um, so, uh, again, there's a whole um, doctrine of scripture talking about inerrancy. Um, that is, it's without error. There are no problems in it. So people will say, well, because of the human element, you know, there'll be mistakes in it. And, right. you know, we can't trust it all. Um, but no, the argument of scripture and those... Um, yeah, that have studied it uh, with the help of God's Spirit is that, you know, this is without error. It's consistent. Um, there's no uh, contradictions through mm-hmm. the Bible, which is an important part. You know, Peter doesn't say one thing and Paul says the opposite in the mm-hmm. next book. Um, but they actually fit together. They harmonize. So all of these things can help us in our understanding of what Scripture is and its claims about itself. But yeah, as I said at the start, ultimately some of these things need to be tested as we read it for ourselves and see the power, uh, the truthfulness of God's word, see its conviction as we think about our own life. Um, Mm -hmm. I will get to a question about that in a little bit, but this might be putting on the spot a bit now, Rod. Um, I guess in the back of my head, there's still the, the question of like, what has made the cut of being considered scripture and what hasn't, what's in and what's out. Um, are you able to talk yeah, us through that so a little bit? that's another question too about the canon of Scripture. Yeah. Um, so what was included and what wasn't included. So uh, the early fathers had to go through that role as um, especially the New Testament was collected. The Old Testament was already sort of as a, a whole. Um, but they had um, three or four tests. So was it written by an apostle mm-hmm. or somebody as part of the apostolic group? Right. So, you know, if it's written by the apostle Matthew, then we can trust it. But what about Mark? He wasn't an apostle, but we know he was hanging out with Peter. And so it was really a record of Peter's um, dealings with Jesus. And so that made it easy for sort of a large proportion of the New Testament. And so that means that the criteria then is that it needed to have been penned by someone who's had a very close Exactly. Eyewitness involvement with Jesus or his disciples. Um, Or somebody um, in Luke's case who wrote uh, the book of Luke and Acts who researched it later but had contact and was part of Paul's missionary journey so was in touch with another apostle. Mm -hmm. Um, There was that. Um, There was also the consistency of the books. So they said, well, does this match up? Like if, you know, if we're not sure about the book of Hebrews, which they weren't because they didn't know who the author was. Right then is it saying stuff that's contradictory to the rest of the New Testament that we know was written by apostles and that we right. feel sure about? Um, and they said, no, like the, the, the scripture, um, the principles in it are accurate and mm-hmm. consistent. Um, and then there was just its reception um, by the church. So had it been circulated, had various Christian churches and groups in the first few centuries had they received this had they seen it as scripture everyone was attesting that yeah no we think hebrews is scripture so um but ultimately they acknowledged that well it's not really up to a council or a group of people to decide whether god's word is god's word it Mm -hmm. should be self-evident and in a sense it proves itself as you read it and so that was another argument like um as you read it uh, it was clear that it was scripture and we might think oh that's strange i don't know if i could tell that especially mm-hmm. if i was a new christian uh, yeah. but if you read some of the apocryphal bo- books if you read bell and the dragon for example what is that what is the yeah apoc- apocryphal? so the apocrypha is a collection of books that is um placed at uh between the old and new testaments in the catholic bible right um maccabees and these are, yeah maccabees yeah. one and two um yeah, there's a whole series judith um tobit 
Um, and so when you read those books, it's pretty simple, especially the more extreme ones like Bell and the Dragon, that I'm reading something like... I don't know, Gulliver's Travels. Or, totally. Uh, you know, like, uh, <laughs> it definitely sounds just like <laughs> fanciful fiction. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's very clear that that's not scripture. There's nothing like what we're reading in the rest of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. So at that level, it's fairly easy even for the average uh, person to discern. Yeah, right. Well, thanks for that. Um, somebody texted in this question, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, they said that in the US they have um, been staging these kind of public debates between Catholic apologists and Protestant apologists. Mm. Uh, in one debate, the Catholics said that Protestants are actually vulnerable to the error of bibliolatry um, or making the Bible God. Um the Bible isn't God. The Bible is God-breathed, but rather points to God himself as the ultimate authority, mm. not the Bible as mm. the source of authority. Mm. Um, what, do you, what do you think about that? Do the Catholics have a point? Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there's certainly an issue on this where there's a danger in seeing the Bible um, and reading it as an end in itself. And I did highlight this briefly on Sunday that... Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, what we need to see is we, we read the Bible so that we might delight in God, its author. It should produce worship of God. We're not worshipping the Bible. Reading of it is not an end in itself. It just uh, helps me to know the God who has revealed himself in his word. Right. So, yeah, there's a right danger in that. But Protestants have always noted that danger. Um, at times, they've been characterized as those who have a trinity of, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Bible. Um, <laughs> and that's not true. But... Um, <laughs> But yeah, sometimes that seems uh, to be a caricature uh, of it. So we've got to be careful that we don't elevate Bible to an end in itself and idolize it. Um, Mm. But at the same, we hold it in great esteem because we believe it to be authoritative. And so this is the ultimate thing. When you say, oh, well, the Bible is without error, it's God-breathed and so on. Ultimately, what that means is um, we say that's... um, authoritative in all matters of faith and conduct mm-hmm. um, and so um, a great slogan in the Reformation was sola scriptura you know scripture alone mm-hmm. and and what that was saying was uh, not that there are not other influences of say reason the God's given us minds or experience as we experience um, his work in our life or even tradition of the church but none of those other things should trump God's word. Right. God's word is the ultimate authority. Mm-hmm. And so on the flip side of this, um, although the Catholic um, might occasionally um, hold up the straw man of the Protestant that just is making an idol of the Bible, the flip side is that the Catholic will put a lot of weight on tradition mm-hmm. and will hold the tradition as equal in authority to the Bible. And that was why Protestants pulled away from the Catholic Church in right. the Reformation. That they held that the Bible must trump all things. It's mm-hmm. the Bible that's for authority. We're not to look to councils or popes or traditions. And this yeah. was Martin Luther's big stance to yeah. begin with. <laughs> yeah. I guess the danger too then, um, if you swing kind of in the other direction of perhaps more charismatic churches that emphasize spirituality and experience, mm-hmm. um, the Bible is how we discern whether a, a vision or mm. a word from God mm. is in fact a word from God. Yes, that's right. So all of these things um, have their outworkings today in different denominations. Um, we might say, yeah, tradition is a big part in the Catholic Church or the Lutheran Church even, um, some parts of the world, um, even um, the Episcopalian Church um, in the United States. 
Um, but then, yeah, the, that's all on the issue of tradition. But say reason. So if you allow reason to trump the Bible, mm-hmm. then you end up with liberalism. So you yeah. have churches that say, oh, well, I'm not really sure that we can believe the miracles in the Bible. Like, they just doesn't seem possible. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, my reason trumps the Bible, and I dismiss that section of the Bible that mm-hmm. has a miracle. Um, and Which wha- is really big, because... We follow a man who rose from the dead. <laughs> yes. So. <laughs> yeah. So, so all these things are dangers that can cause us to drift away, which yeah. is why the reform is helpfully for us today. And we still live on the back of that in 500 years later. You know, Bible first and these mm-hmm. other things. Yes, I can be informed by tradition. Yes, I can be informed by my personal experience. Yes, um, you know, I to use the mind that God has given me. It's not to dismiss those things, mm-hmm. but it's to say that they're secondary and that the Bible is primary. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that. Um, well, I guess then we, um, we've obviously been talking at length about the importance of Scripture, the reliability of Scripture. Um, is the Bible itself actually all that powerful? What should I expect as I read as I read it? Mm. Yeah, well, having the right expectations of anything is helpful, isn't it? <laughs> and including God's Word. I mean, uh, a lot of people quote Hebrews 4.12, the famous uh, verse on Scripture, which says, For the Word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now, there's a lot packed into that, but I guess in essence what it's saying is we should expect to feel convicted when we read Scripture. Mm -hmm. It's powerful. It's going to judge us, our actions. Are we living in line with God's Word? It's going to be very challenging. Mm -hmm. So as I read Scripture, I'm expecting that God's going to Yes, um, help me delight in him, um, to be comforted, encouraged, um, to be reminded of his promises, but also to be confronted and challenged by things that I'm not doing or things that I am doing that are not in line with God's word um, that need to change. Mm. It'll challenge me to serve more. So all these aspects um, of responding rightly to God's word yeah, will happen. Um, now, that doesn't happen just because we're a really good reader. Or it's um, the Bible's a magical book that just does these things in my mind as I read it. But um, Scripture would also say what is crucial is the work of the Holy Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit that is applying God's Word to my heart and mind. If I'm feeling convicted, if I'm being challenged, it's because the Spirit is making me see Mm -hmm. that that's something I need to address in my life. So um, the Bible's very clear, too, that you never want to separate the role of the Spirit and God's Word. They work together Mm. in unison. Mm. Um, well, I guess we're starting to think a little bit more personally about how all of this applies to ourselves. Um, I guess my question is, um, if I'm not feeling delight in reading the word, maybe I'm not feeling convicted by it. It sort of um, just kind of washes over me or bounces straight off me. It feels like nothing's kind of actually penetrating the heart. Mm. Um, and, I'm, you know, there is no joy there. Mm. Should I still continue to do it? Should I still read out of duty or do I wait until I can find delight again? Mm. I think this is a question that um, a lot of Christians have had to face at different points in their work. Yeah. And I think um, if you believe somehow that there are some Christians that every time they open it, they're always delighting, they never find it hard, that it's always just joy, Mm -hmm. um, then, yeah, that's unreal. That's, (laughs) uh, That's not the reality. And so we're all going to battle with this, which is why I made that a major point on Sunday. Um, So we do want to delight in God's word, not do it out of duty. 
But yes, there will be times where it feels um, more burdensome or a duty or mm. we're just not um, yeah, engaging well with God's word. We're finding it hard work. Uh, that's mm. natural. I don't think we want to get down on ourselves or um, certainly not give up on our reading of God's word. Um, you know, there's this famous saying, pray until you pray. Um, <laughs> and, and I think it's the same with the Bible. Read until you read. Like mm. uh, if we're just reading and we're not really taking anything in and... <laughs> Um, then we need to keep reading until we're actually focusing and mm. sort of trying to hear what God is saying. So, you know, if I'm finding it hard, reading half a verse in a minute and then running off and thinking, um, you know, this will help me delight, is mm. I'm kidding myself. Yeah. So I need to give time to it. And if I'm not getting anything in five minutes, maybe I need to be sitting there for half an hour yeah. and, and that will help me. So so don't skip it um, because if you drift from reading the Bible at all and think, oh, well, I'm not delighting at the moment, I'll come back to it in six months. Well, in six months, you know, with not reading God's Word, you're not hearing His voice mm. to you for all that time. That's really dangerous mm. um, area to drift into. So, yes, keep reading even when it's hard, mm-hmm. but strive, fight for delight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've just been reading... Um, a book with a friend recently actually it's a, a piper one and um yeah he, they, a lot of the conversation has been about that fight mm. the fight for joy he, mm. he uses that term a lot of um you know god is at work it's his holy spirit that works but we also have a responsibility to kind of not just be completely passive in mm. our walk but we actually have to you know turn up and and fight for this so um yeah yeah an encouragement to um yeah, I guess those of us who are struggling with our Bible reading to um, keep going. Yes. <laughs> Something good will happen <laughs> at some point. Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, my last question for you today, more about a matter of, um, I guess, well, how do we go about reading the Bible? Um, is reading the Bible in an organized manner, like, you know, with a with a plan, with a guide, um, is that counter to the idea of delighting in God's Word? Because it, it seems organized and dutiful and you know very strategic um whereas having no plan seems more organic and winsome but kind of a you know a little bit clueless <laughs> yeah and I, I think this is a really important question and i think it relates to the previous one like um if we're going to fight for delight rather than duty then i think part of it is mixing it up and so there's no right or wrong um so and part of this is influenced as well by personality. So some people are very ordered people and sort of reading the Bible in a year and having set things each day and ticking it off is just fits them perfectly. And other mm-hmm. people, that is just death. They can't deal with that. and they <laughs> Seems just Seems so dry. Yeah, they yeah. want to mix it up and be singing and then reading a verse or reading a whole book one day or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, they're led to do. Um Neither is wrong, and both are actually good. So uh, I've certainly done both. I find more and more that I just need to mix it up. And mm-hmm. so uh, I think in the past, uh, when I was a younger Christian, I often used like um, daily Bible reading notes and things to work through, and that was really helpful, and I'd recommend them. Um, but sometimes they can grow um, stale after a while, and you just want to read for yourself and not be hearing somebody others, somebody else's interpretation yeah. or explanation for you. Yeah. Um, but yes, you could be reading the Bible in a year or over two years. Murray McShane's famous plan that lots of people have picked up and sort of um, used. Don Carson has it in his devotional set and he just follows this and you have three or four readings every day. Um, yeah, that can work and that can be really good for a time. But I yeah. think if you've done that, then the next year you probably want to do something different. Um, 
So for myself at the moment, I tend to uh, read a book and I might read the whole letter, say Galatians, um, you know, uh, through in an hour and mm. think about it um, and then go back and read it in detail and spend some time in it and then maybe jump to something completely different or I might want to read passages that relate Old and New Testament on mm -hmm. a particular theme. There are so many ways we can do it mm -hmm. and there are lots of guides and devotionals that can help us do that if we haven't got those ideas uh, in our own mind. Um, but doing different things can be really um, good for us. So um, don't feel that there's a set way to do it. And if you're not doing it that way, that you're not right, or your friend does it the complete opposite to you and they must be doing it right or wrong. Um, yeah, I think we've just got to spend time in the Word, delight in it, and um, whatever method, um, stick with it for a time. Mm -hmm. um, but it can be as simple as some of these outlines, um, you know, like the Swedish method or coma or whatever, where you just, you know, just read a passage. Um, ask yourself a couple of questions. Ask yourself a couple of questions. What do I learn about God here? What do I learn about myself? How can I apply this? Mm -hmm. What do I don't understand? Just simple things that you do in any Bible study you can yeah. do for yourself yeah. and you can follow a method like that in any passage and um, and grow and learn things from it. Mm. If you're not sure what we're talking about with those methods, um, then you can have a little read of them. Our church has got a Bible reading guide that has gone along with this particular series. Um, you're able to access that from our website. It does have a um, daily plan of some scripture that you can read as well as talks you through a couple of different strategies that might help you. So um, check that out if you're curious. Um, but I guess the point then of your answer is that it doesn't really matter how you go ab um, about it as long as it's staying fresh and that you're doing it. That's right. Yep. The, the number one thing is just to be reading God's yep. Word. Um, and if you're feeling dry or it's, it's been a hard, then maybe go to something that you know will bring you joy or be something that you, you've always enjoyed. You know, if you love a few psalms, then go to those favorite psalms. Mm -hmm. um, if you're in a period where you're really going strong and you think, I could tackle Leviticus, I'm so mm -hmm. on top of things at the moment, I'm just loving God's Word, well then great, do that at a point where you're able to dive into something that's perhaps hard yeah. and is going to take a lot more energy. Do you know what was funny in our home group this week? Um, somebody shared that their favorite book of the Bible is Leviticus. There and through go. that, like it was awesome hearing her talk about it actually because the joy that she kind of discovered in I think reading Leviticus helped her really understand what Jesus did, mm -hmm. the the sacrifice and the freedom that came from him. So there you go. There you <laughs> I go. was like, wow, I've never heard anybody kind of name drop Leviticus as their favorite spot. No. But it was really cool to hear her and see her face light up talking about that part of scripture. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, next week we are going to be looking at singing. So that will be the... Um, the next um, discipline that we're going to be thinking through. So um, stay tuned for that. That will be Mark preaching this Sunday. Um, you can access our um, broadcast um, on our church um, website through the YouTube channels or on our Facebook pages. So um, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Thanks again. You have been listening to Deeper by Wollongong Baptist Church. We'd love you to join us at any of our services this coming Sunday. For details and to hear further content, please head to our website at wollongongbaptist.org.